everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Critics Corner Podcast. I am William Locke, and joining me today is CBS Sports's Josh Mullinex. Josh, welcome back to the show. Hey, how's it going, man? Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Good to have you back on. We are through round one, uh, a long, grueling, two-week-long round one. Narratives have swung in multiple different directions over the course of every game, really. The narratives change over every single game. Um, a lot has happened since we last talked on this podcast in the NBA. Um, and I think we should start in, in with the game seven that we watched last night uh, or, or yesterday afternoon. Kings Warriors, Steph Curry drops 50 points, eight rebounds, six assists in a game seven in a closeout game against the Kings in Sacramento. Um, I think this was the most exciting series of the first round. Um, and I mean, where, where, where do we start? I mean, what were your, your main takeaways, your, 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 uh, uh, with this series, with this game with Curry? That guy is, that guy is gross. He is, he might be the most unguardable player of all time. At least, at least guy who's unguardable because of his skill. Right. I mean, there's some guys like Shaq is Shaq was pretty unguardable, but a lot of that had to do with the fact that he was, you know, seven three and three hundred and fifty pounds. And guys like Wilt and guys like Russell and guys like Elijah Juan. When it comes to I mean Curry is Curry is six four. Six two his basketball reference says six two. I think he's I think he's getting shortchanged, at least an inch there. But <laughs> His 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 basketball reference says he's 6'2", 185, and there's not a person on the planet that can stop that guy. Not a single person. And his game is – there's an interesting conversation that's going on right now about – right, of course, there's the unanimous MVP season Curry, and there's this Curry, and they're two different Currys. One of them is the first unanimous MVP ever, and this one – is pro like there's a very real argument that this version of Curry is better than the version of Curry that won a unanimous MVP. And and that's just a crazy thing to say for a guy that seems to get better every single year. And he's got a skill set that that I mean he could do it for he could do it at that level for several more years. And he could play in the NBA with the way he shoots for I mean shoot. Like if you told me in a decade Curry is is finally turning off the lights on his NBA career then uh, I wouldn't be too surprised, but he is, he is ridiculous. And it's, it's the thing that I said when, when we did the the playoff preview pod, it was, if we get to a game seven, I don't care where we're playing it. I'm going to pick the warriors to win. And, and it didn't, it didn't happen quite the way I thought that it would. I thought that we might get to a game seven and, and all six games were won by the home team. Uh, it ended up that, that they traded road wins, mm-hmm. but when it gets to game seven, one team has Steph Curry and the other team doesn't. And that uh, it was about that simple in game seven. Yeah. The Kings had no one to match that scoring. And and quite frankly, no one in the history of the Warriors being fully healthy in the playoffs have anything, have anything, have had anything to match what Steph Curry brings to the table. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head in that this version of Curry might be better because he's added it in, in, in inside game. 
and, and a dribble drive game that he did not have in that unanimous unanimous MVP season. In in that season, it was more of like, holy shit, we've never seen anything like this before. This guy is is the best shooter of all time. But now, you ha- not only do you have the fact you have to worry about him running off screens behind the perimeter, and you can't give him a sliver of space behind you know, in, in, inside 30 feet. Otherwise he's nailing a three in your face. You also have to worry about him driving past you and, and finishing at the rim. He's, he's finishing all kinds of like crazy at the rim uh, drives with contact from Sabonis or whoever's guarding him in, in the perimeter. And he's bodying some of these guards that they were throwing at him. Like Kevin Herter and Malik Monk were, were getting bodied by Curry. Oh, he's at it. He's gained so much strength. And, and, and to his game that he did not have, you know, six years ago, which has impressed me so much with him. You know, he, he, he hit seven threes in this game, but you know, he, he had 20 field goals. So yeah. guy was, you know, he was scoring in, it, it was all serious. It's been all season too, you know, for the past couple of years, it, it's yeah. been that way. And I tweeted out on the podcast account. There's, there's just a, a sense of hopelessness when you're, when your your team is going up against Steph Curry, or if you're, you know, trying to guard him, you know, um, and it's just so deflating because, you know, you can go on a really great 7-0 run and, and and then two possessions later, it's a one-point game because Curry just nails two threes from 30 feet and there's literally right. nothing you can do about it. When that ball is going up in the air, when Curry shoots, you just, it, there's a sense of hopelessness. And for as crazy as this series was, you know, the people were writing the Kings through to the second round when they went up mm-hmm. to nothing, which I thought was preposterous, you know. Because they they sure they they did what they could they were they did what they were supposed to do they took care of home court they won two games and it was going back to the Chase Center mm-hmm. and I know they didn't have Draymond Green for Game Three and I'm glad that ended up didn't that did not end up being like a huge storyline at the conclusion of this series they they you know they won the game that Draymond didn't play and it ultimately right. I think kind of gave them a little bit of energy heading into Game Four which they took care of um, and, and they won Game Five as well. Game six was a bit of an anomaly. They lost that one, but again, they they took care of, of game seven at home and like sets up this crazy, you know, Lakers Warrior series, which the NBA is, is dreaming about. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think we can talk a little bit more about the Kings before we get into that series um, and maybe the the Grizzlies Lakers series as well. I mean, w- w- how do you feel about like the Kings season in general? Do, would you consider it a resounding success? Do you think they should have gotten through this series? And like, how do you feel about them moving forward with the pieces that they have on their roster? Can can they be this good again next year? Last thing on Curry, it was only the fourth time in his entire career he took thirty shots in a playoff game. I think I think his ability to recognize that like Clay didn't have it, yeah. and the way that they were going to win that game is for him to score fifty. Was he? I think he noticed that early, and that was that was the reason that they won. And, and, and they couldn't hit a free throw. Sorry, they couldn't hit a free throw, which was crazy. Um, especially in the third quarter, Wiggins missed so many. Curry missed two in a row. But and then you also have the Kevon Looney, um, thing, which again bleeds into the conversation about the Kings. He was he was bodying Sabonis inside twenty one rebounds. I mean, and ten offensive rebounds. That the that's ultimately him and Curry is what won them this game. Completely agree. Looney was. I mean, this is the first round was the was the round of oh my gosh is that is that the best big of all time <laughs> right? Kevon Looney and, and yeah. Mitchell Robinson had his moment against yeah, if, if, against if the turn, Cavs. If you turned on the NBA for just this the first round, like that was your first time watching the NBA, you would think Mitchell Robinson and Kevon Looney were the two best centers in the league, and, and Jokic of course as well. 
it's so spot on and and that's that's pretty funny um as for the kings i think i think it's important before you you take into context how this series went down that in a nutshell what happened in this this year is that the kings went back to the playoffs for the first time in 18 years they had a winning record for the season locked up a month and a half before the season ended and they ended up losing to the golden state warriors in the first round of the playoffs I think that is like if you just gave them that sentence at the beginning of the year, nobody in the Kings organization is not taking that. Nobody. You would have, they would have said, "Pinch me, I'm dreaming." There's no way right. that's going to happen. We took the Warriors to a game seven, and we had home right. court advantage. Exactly, exactly, and, and that is, I think that's important to remember. And and I, I guess that apparently when we talk about first round series this year, we just forego the fact that injuries impact things. Um, <laughs> But we'll get to that, yeah. <laughs> but there's a very there's a there's a real argument that if if there were four healthy hands between Sabonis and Fox instead of two healthy hands between the two of them, that they win the series. I mean, Sabonis clearly he got pushed around a little bit more than I than I thought he would. But even the things like you know, if you took a step back from Sabonis and left him wide open at the elbow, he he took the jumper all year long, and it seemed like he was a little right. afraid to take it in the first round and. And I don't know if that was just a little bit of like playoff jitters or if it's, man, I don't have faith in my abilities to make a jump shot with, with my hand wrapped up on my thumb. And I think, I think either is a possibility, but when, when you put it into that context, like we won the first two games and like, like Steph Curry happened to us in game seven, nothing else happened to you in game seven. I mean, right, Looney was good, but, like, it's not like Draymond locked up your best players the entire series, and and it wasn't like you got this crazy game from Clay that you just kind of have to throw your hands up and say, well, what are you supposed to do there? Um, one of the best players of all time got you in game seven, and, and, and sometimes that just happens. That's what great players do. So um, I'm sure that on this Monday morning, on this Monday night, that, the Kings organization is a little disappointed that their season is already over, but from the outside looking in, I think it would be, it would be silly to suggest that the Kings season was a failure because they, they had a first round exit. Yeah. This was a team we were looking at as a, as a play in team heading into the season. And they, I mean, they finished this at the three seed and took the Warriors to a game seven. I think the Sabonis piece of it was a, a bit strange. You know, he, they were the, the Warriors were leaving him wide open, you know, obviously from three, but also like those elbow jumpers, they weren't really contesting. Um, and you know, he shot 49% from the field in this series. And, you know, you compare that to what he did in the regular season. Uh, you know, he was he was 61% from the field in the regular season. So clearly, clearly that injury had had an effect on on his game. Um, I mean, you remember when Rick Car- Carlisle had a uh, Sabonis taking 2.3 threes a game in, in Indiana, uh, that season before he got traded. Um, yeah, I mean he he's not a he's not a three point shooter. Don't get me wrong, but he he was hitting those elbow elbow jumpers in, in this regular season. And if if they had that, if the Kings had that, um, I think that certainly would have helped them in this game. And you would have you know would have had to obviously honor his jumper, which he just didn't have, um, which, which was unfortunate. I thought. You know, Fox was hurt. I don't know how much that really affected him. He still looked, he looked fine. Um, but and that's what that's what I was gonna say about Fox is that everyone lost their mind about 
about his broken fingertip. And then he came out in the next game and was totally fine. And it was it was on the same night that Jog had a really awesome start, like right after he looked like he broke his wrist. I was starting to question what I thought about how important a hand was when it came to shooting. Um, But I think what happened with Fox is that he was fine and had a good game, like right out of the gates after, after the injury. And people just kind of forgot that he has a broken finger. And I I can't like, I I have no idea how much pain he was playing with. Maybe he got, he got absolutely blasted with, with drugs before, before every game. That was NFL drugs. Right. Whatever they gave Mahomes the week before the play the week before the Super Bowl. Um but I think we kind of forgot about that. And for the most part, I think it was it was fair to forget about it. But I didn't think he I didn't think his handles were quite as tight. I thought like I like you could tell that there was that you were getting probably ninety-two percent Fox or 89% Fox and not, and not 100%. And maybe that would have been, been what mattered uh, at the end of the day. But the other part of it is that they just, they didn't have really anybody show up in game in game seven. There wasn't really a guy that you felt like was no really, was really there to, to go toe to toe. I mean, Harrison Barnes had a Harrison Barnes game set of a performance. Kevin Herter was one of six from the three point line. Kevin Herter was shot, 20% from the three point line in this in this series. Yeah. He was terrible. 20%. He was and I've only got he made he made two threes in game 2 and three threes in game 6. He didn't make multiple threes in a game in any of the other five games. 0 of 5, 2 of 9, 1 of 6. Yep. So what? That's that's 3 of 20, 3 of 21, 4 of 25. 7 of 32 and 8 of 38 from the three-point line in the series from Kevin Herter. And so you just didn't get enough ultimately when you needed it from from certain guys to to beat the Warriors. It just kind of is what it is. Yeah, and, you know, for as bad as those role players were, and we knew that was the case with them heading into the series, we knew that when the Kings make their threes, when Monk and, and, and Herter and – even a Harrison Barnes, when those guys are making their threes, they win. And when they're not, they, they're probably going to lose. There, there's a pretty obvious variance with this team. Uh, with that in mind, if Harrison Barnes makes that three in game four, they're up 3-1, and they only have to win one more game. Now, you know, Draymond Green did a great job getting to the elbow and, you know, blocking Fox from getting to a spot on that play. And they're going to live and die with a Harrison Barnes three on the wing. And he missed it. But if that shot goes in, that series changes. It's just like if LeBron misses that layup in game four in LA against the Grizzlies, that series changes on its head as well. So it is it is a make or miss league. Darren Fox said that after game six in his walk-off interview with uh, the ESPN reporter. It's a make or miss league. Um, and ultimately, like the Warriors, you know, game seven, they made more shots. They had a guy to go to that, you know, the Kings just simply didn't have. Um, and, you know, if, if Curry is able to, get another ring this season, which I think that remains to be seen. I don't know if it's going to happen, but at this point, I, I'm not going to write off the Warriors in, in any series. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're talking, he's going to be, he's going to be in that conversation of, you know, the elite of the elite in, in basketball royalty, because, you know, that'll be five titles, same as Kobe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's got a unanimous MVP under his belt and probably be two finals MVPs at that point. Uh, and, 
you know, just again, all that he's added over his career to his game. And like you said, like he projects, like he, this guy could play for 10 more years with that jump shot that, that he has and just running off screens for years and years and years. Now, I mean, the Warriors, they still suck on the road. They were 11 and 30 on the road this season and they won what two. I mean, they did end up winning two, two road games in this mm-hmm. series, but uh, I, I mean, like who knows? I, I, that's another thing with this, this. The first round is, I mean, it kind of proves that the regular season is is largely meaningless. As long as you get into the to the dance, you, you have a chance. Yeah, I you know I I I struggle. I hesitate to go quite that far when it comes to the regular season. Like generally, I think that's that's pretty that's pretty accurate. You also don't typically have Steph Curry and LeBron James not having home court advantage in the first round. That doesn't typically happen. Like, right. I don't think LeBron has ever not had home court in the first round. Right? Because he wouldn't have... Yeah. He would have... There were a I couple mean, of like years... Maybe Cleveland. Cleveland? Like, maybe, like, like, early Cleveland years? Yeah. And then there was... I think there was a year in Cleveland, they were, like, a four seed. But they that's... like, a four seed. Right? That's still home court advantage in the first. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I mean, I, you could be right on that. Like, yeah. if, if, if anybody ascends above that idea that home court advantage really matters starting with the first round of the playoffs it's probably Steph and more specifically the Warriors and definitely LeBron um and also like I I I would not have that big of a of a problem with saying that if the Grizzlies are healthy and the Kings are healthy the Grizzlies and Kings are playing in the second round yeah. So, so I, and I, and because it's the Warriors and because it's the Lakers, that's, that's what's being talked about, which is fine. But there are, I think, like, it would mean more to me if, like, I don't know, like, pick, if it were flipped the other direction and right. the, and the Kings had beat the Warriors in the three six as the six seed. I just think it, I feel like that means a little bit more than Steph Curry beating the Kings in the first round that might have more to do with Steph Curry than the regular season. But I think it's, I think regular season mattering took a hit for sure. It's yeah. definitely, it's definitely part of it. Absolutely. I mean, you also had, I mean, we'll get into the East later, but um, you know, the Knicks won without home court advantage, the heat won without home court advantage. Um, yeah. So and I, but I think I think the biggest the the series that I can point to and say okay I think that that conversation holds the most water is the Knicks Cavs series mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because there's also an argument to be made that now maybe that you know the Bucks won one of those games that Giannis is, Giannis wasn't a part of but and, and that series wasn't like that that wasn't even close it wasn't you can't go quite as far as. You know, if if Giannis plays in both of those games, because you won one of them, right? So and and you lost four one. So I'm not exactly going to bat for the Bucks right now, but three of those four series have something in common, and um, that's what I would encourage people to remember while while having a conversation about about what the regular season means. That I think, for what it's worth, is is absolutely worth having. True, and I think you know, having a generational talent and a top, you know, elite Pantheon guy all time uh, on your team in a LeBron or a Curry certainly helps, you know, winning without home court advantage, regardless of where they're at in their career. Um, Those guys are still, you know, impact players, obviously Um, Curry, I think more so than LeBron at this point in in their careers. Um, But 
I mean, we we can table that King series and I mean, we can get into it. Uh, we can get into Grizzlies Lakers. Um, I know we, we've been obviously texting pretty much every day throughout the past two weeks about this series. I came down to India to watch game three with you. Um, I mean, where do you want to start? Where do you want to start? There's so much from a Grizzlies perspective, even from a Lakers perspective with this series, what, what kind of stands out the most to you, man. Um, so the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies were missing two of their top seven players, arguably and, three with Brandon Clark out too. Oh, I was in, I was including Brandon Clark and Brandon Clark and Steven Adams and two of their top seven canard, no game six. And then Cardinard go no game six. Yeah. Yeah. And then Ja definitely not hundred percent. Yep. But Ja was Ja was good. Um, so uh, apparently we're just having a conversation about how good the Lakers are without acknowledging that. So so for so I'm gonna acknowledge that first. Yeah. Um no one but, from a national media perspective seems to want to, to do that. Yeah, nobody seems to care about that. So so I'll say it. I also simultaneously I like I'm a little bit glad that the that the Grizzlies got shown the door in game six. I, I'm a little bit glad that they kind of got embarrassed on a national stage because I, I mean they did. They got I the mean, kicked in. Yeah. They humiliated. They, because the Grizzlies acted like a bunch of dicks during this yeah. series. Yeah. And and it is one of my biggest pet peeves in sports are teams that act like they've won something before they've won anything. And teams that that go about, that's kind of like like I kind of think that's part of what happened to 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 bring a different sport in. I kind of think that's part of what happened to North Carolina in college basketball this year mm. is that they just decided that they were entitled to like returning to the Final Four and that they were going to waltz through the regular season because they had just gone to the Final Four and. Mm-hmm had taken down Duke and almost won a national championship. And like, you're not entitled to that. And the, the Grizzlies, you know, at the NBA level, right. A little, a little bit of apples to oranges, but they haven't, they haven't done anything, man. Like, like they've, they've won one first round series against a Timberwolves team that was nowhere near as good as they were. Um, and it took longer than it probably should have. It took a lot. That it took every everything. The and and, it, and it wasn't. And they, like we weren't all that far away from the from the Timberwolves winning that series. And the further we moved, we are from that. The more willing I am to admit that. Um, but you just like there are some guys that and I've had I've had a bunch of people, the last ten days or so ask me you know it's either how do you feel about the grizzlies right now or how do you feel about dylan brooks and like and and what i've been telling them is there are some people that just deserve your respect and on an nba floor lebron james deserves your respect he just does he does and and you can do because because what dylan brooks would say is hey you know what i'm not going to show him that i like I'm not here to show him respect and I'm not here to be scared of him, which is fine. There are ways to do both though, namely not punching him in the balls. That's a good place to start. But even if it's showing like a little bit of remorse or like at any point in the series, Dylan Brooks saying, yeah, I mean like at the end of the day, LeBron's an all time great, even if he doesn't mean it, like at some point you got to say it at some point you got to act like you understand your place because elite is not their place. And I think in a weird way that them finding a way to ultimately win that series 
would probably not have been a good thing for the Grizzlies in the, in, in the long run. If they're going to grow up at any point, something like this was probably yeah. the way a two seed. You clearly weren't the best team in the series. Um, I thought you, I thought you could be, but you clearly weren't. And for whatever reason that that might be. And, and you get beat by 50 in game six. Like you gotta win. You, you lose a basketball game. You gotta win by 50, 40, nah, 40, 40, 50 tomato, tomato. Yeah. Um, it's bad. It, it was really, really bad. And, and I think, I think if there's a road to the Grizzlies doing some growing up and some accountability being in that, in that, um, in, in that locker room, that something like this is is a pretty powerful thing to have happen to you. But I was uh it was it was quite a series for for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. And you know it, for like the the Dylan Brooks thing, you're right. You know, he needs to show some respect to LeBron. And Dylan Brooks is one of those guys that has incredibly irrational confidence to a fault where it's a detriment to the team. And Sure, you don't have to necessarily respect LeBron if you're Dylan Brooks, but you don't you can't go out and say what you say and act the way you do, right? You can you can take you can play with the chip on your shoulder. Plenty of guys do that, right? But they don't disrespect LeBron nationally in, in the media. That's just not going to end well. The track record that this guy has, you know, you think of all the irritants in his past, Lance Stevenson. I mean, Lance Stevenson was like respectfully like People look back on that guy as as a clown. Like he had no chance yeah. to stand up to LeBron. Uh, Draymond Green. I mean, I guess he, you know, is the one guy that's had some success against LeBron. But a lot of that is due to the the other players on his team. And now, like Draymond's like a freaking. I mean, dude has feelings for LeBron. I think intimately. <laughs> um, but but um, yeah, you you have to show him some respect. And I think the Grizzlies needed to get their shit kicked in in this series. You know, for and. For everything that happened this season, all the immaturity that the Grizzlies showed, a lot of that I think has to do with you know Dylan Brooks and his presence in the locker room, but a lot of it is is also self inflicted. I'm talking about John Morant specifically and, and what he went through this season, and it it, it was a bit season from Helly for, for for the Grizzlies. Like you had all these injuries, Adams, Clark out, Kennard game six when we saw how good he was spacing the floor. He was like a plus twenty or thirty something in, in the plus minus in game five. You know, Taylor Jenkins finally running out lineups with with him, Bain and Ja, where they can just space the floor and you have to honor him where if when every time Dylan Brooks is on the floor, it's freaking four on five on offense because you just don't have to respect his jumper whatsoever. Right. Um, he was out for game six. So that was a huge loss for us. You know, when, when when that news came down, it felt like we really didn't have much of a chance in game six. Um, so we were without those three guys. Uh, and then Ja, you know, he was playing hurt in this playoff series as well. Like, it, it, and, and he dealt with everything that he did again, self-inflicted during the regular season. Like it just, it, it wasn't going to come together for the Grizzlies this season. And it was clear they were super immature. And guess what? They, I mean, they're 23 years old. They're younger than yeah. we are. These are kids. And I know there's plenty of examples around the NBA today of like guys, young guys, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum that are so young and have success, but you know, maybe, I mean, not everyone is like that, right? We there's some immaturity on this Grizzlies team. It's obvious. And I think they needed this to 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 learn from and grow from. And, and guess what? Like most guys, most 
players don't win until they're 27, 28 years old. LeBron didn't win until 2011. He came into the league in 2003. Yeah. And I think there's a larger conversation, though, to be had about, and I'm seeing it come around nationally of like a lot of people ripping on this Grizzlies core. They don't like, I don't necessarily think it's a lock that the Grizzlies are going to win a championship the way I would feel if we had LeBron when he was young. Like, but I, I still feel really good about a jaw, Jaron, Bain core moving yeah. forward. I mean, I think that those three can get you to an NBA finals at some point over the next five years. Yeah. So, you know, there, it's so easy to just absolutely trash teams after they get eliminated in the playoffs. Um, yeah. and the Grizzlies are kind of the main team right now that everyone's bashing on and rightfully so we deserve it. But I think you're going to see the Grizzlies hopefully learn from this front office will make some moves this off season and come back next year quiet and confident and looking to prove a lot of people wrong that are that are hating right now that are shitting on this Grizzlies team again rightfully so but i hope that the Grizzlies are going to come back with some vengeance next year and, and take all of this personally i would agree i would agree i think you know it's interesting a couple things most people get to grow up and, and most even athletes get like, you typically don't see like the, the success, the success comes with the maturity. Typically teams don't get to this level when they're as immature as the Grizzlies are. Right. I mean, it typically doesn't happen. So usually you get to figure it out in a quiet in a slightly quieter setting now granted some of the noise came by way of the grizzlies and they were responsible for you know a good chunk of it i mean this this team was the darling of the nba 12 months ago yep and so so part of that is their fault but a lot of times guys get to grow up when it's a little quieter or guys get to grow up when there's a an older guy on their team that's that's catching all of the questions and they know that they got to face the media and that's what they do as a veteran. Now you got all these guys that they're all 24 and they're all the ones that the, the, the reporters are, are going to ask questions to. And now, now Dylan Brooks sidestepping the media and, and, and doing all that stuff really doesn't help and is, is pretty unacceptable. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cowardly it to, is. to do, to, to talk, trash like that and then you can't you won't even sit and, and answer questions from reporters and then in two weeks you'll tweet something or say something about how the media is creating all of the like you had a chance to to add to this to, to the way the story is written and you declined so the reporters are going to write that and and so so that's super frustrating as well the other thing that i am as it pertains to the grizzlies offseason i'm certainly not in the this core that the Grizzlies have put together isn't capable of at least getting through the Western Conference. I still think this year, if they were healthy, now granted their maturity and hindsight is the reason that they were like it. It wouldn't have mattered, but if they were slightly more mature, this this roster right now, healthy, is could absolutely get through the West this year if things happen correctly. And that's really for any team that's not getting all of the destination free agents. That's just kind of how it has to happen. Right. It just it just probably is going to have to you're going to have to be ready when things kind of fall your way. And that's the the reality of the situation. The other thing I don't totally understand is. Is. Like, I've got some 
some questions about Taylor Jenkins after Thank these playoffs. Thank you. I got some questions about Taylor Jenkins and, and, and we can have conversations about, and my dad and I have spent plenty of time talking about his, he's a little, he's a little Budenholzer-y, um about his rotations and his rigidity when it comes to making adjustments in the playoffs. That's okay. Like, like some guys are just like that and he'll probably have to get over it at some point. Um, but I think we learned this year that Bud it, Bud didn't figure anything out. He just got like like he just got lucky. He had the best player on his team. He had the best player in the world on his team, and yeah. at the at, at the peak of his powers as as we've seen Giannis. But what I don't understand is like, did you not tell Dylan Brooks to stop shooting the freaking basketball? That it's it was organizational malpractice, I, I think, I, to let him take so many shots. I don't I don't understand. Like, there's a difference between. Like Dylan Brooks kept taking shots like he like he had the ultimate green light. At the very least, and I don't know what his mid-range numbers were in this series, but a guy that shoots at as poorly as Dylan Brooks, just get as close to the basket as possible. If the if the a guy is 10 feet away from you, that's the closest guy, just take his a dribble forward. You're probably more likely to make the 17 footer than you are the 24 footer. And I I, I just I don't understand why i think it's a little weird that nobody seems to talk about this when talking about the grizzlies and and i get that nba franchises exist at this point to not piss off their stars so that's probably part of it that's so true and yeah so it's probably a pretty impossible but you know who's not a star dylan brooks if dylan brooks is pissed who cares who gives a shit and he's an unrestricted free agent right who who cares if like if you're not going to say anything to john brant that's different but dylan brooks is actively shooting you out of a series and you're also better with him off the floor so get in his face about not shooting jumpers because the other thing i've been telling people about uh, all series is the difference between we've seen a guy on a successful Grizzlies team, be absolutely atrocious offensively. And he, Tony Allen knew his role. Right. But Tony Allen knew that if he caught the ball in the corner and he had his own zip code of space, that he still wasn't going to take that shot. Absolutely. And, and he would and he would take a dribble in and still miss the, the short corner jumper, and he would drive and still miss the layup, but he knew not to take the three. Yeah. And – and – there was that was part of the downfall of that grizzly those grizzlies teams and why they had a very real ceiling but he knew like he wasn't trying to shoot himself out of a slump ever and yeah. dylan brooks is in a perpetual slump and one that he cannot be shot out of so that is the that's the biggest difference between the two and uh it was it was painful to watch at times dylan brooks might have been trying to be what tony allen was in memphis but we need to note that Tony Allen still has the respect of Memphians everywhere. He's a legend in the city. You know, his jersey's going to get retired. I love Tony Allen. He's one of my favorite Grizzlies of all time. He talked shit, but guess what? He he didn't, he didn't, he, first of all, he backed it up. And, and second of all, he didn't, he didn't cross that line that Dylan Brooks said that, or that Dylan Brooks crossed where it, it was just disrespect. Not whereas Tony Allen, he talked trash, but, it was all on the floor. He's not taking it, you know, in the media. And he's not, he's not disrespecting you the way Dylan Brooks disrespected LeBron James. Dylan Brooks was not accepted in the city of Memphis the way Tony Allen was. Not even, not even close. Um, so I just want to get that out there. One thing I want to throw at you with the Taylor Jenkins thing. We talk so much about the immaturity that, you know, the, this Grizzlies team has. And, you know, 
I mean, at the end of the day, Taylor Jenkins is the head coach of this basketball team. He sets the tone. Like, should there be maybe some more accountability on Taylor Jenkins's end for the lack of maturity that the Grizzlies have? And, and when you look at Grizz, uh, or you look at Jenkins himself, I mean, that's 38 years old. This is his first NBA coaching gig as well. Like he's learning and growing as we go through this. But I personally feel like a lot of this immaturity and, and the off the court issues that we've had this season boils down to to Taylor Jenkins, maybe not holding these guys and maybe the organization as well, like not holding these guys accountable in, in, in a way that maybe they probably should have. Yeah, I think it, I think we we didn't really understand it either until this year because clearly there hasn't been a ton of accountability there and now now, granted all things suggest that john morant was completely it was everything you wanted from a franchise star when he was in the building it was when he wasn't in the building that you perhaps wanted his head screwed on a little straighter but um yeah there's so there's definitely some accountability stuff that that needs to be worked on I think it's 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 a season that we're going to look back on, hopefully, as, you know, man, you know, that was a rough season when we were going through it. But this team learned a lot. The core grew a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and ultimately we're gaining those those key playoff scars that so many great teams ha- have gone through. And, you know, but I also think, like, when you look at this team heading into this offseason, front office has to address some, some glaring weaknesses. You know, I, I think... First of all, the the three slot, that three, you know, that that small forward position, which Dylan Brooks was kind of playing this season, needs to be addressed. You know, Zaire Williams, guy that we were both hopeful on, a lot of Grizzlies were hopeful on, uh, to fill that role this year just simply flopped. Um, and ultimately now has no trade value. You know, you can't you can't move that guy. You're not gonna get anything in return for that guy. Where I, I was hoping you, you know, heading into the season, heading into the season, he'd be pretty valuable young guy on a rookie contract no that's not the case i think backup big is an issue and you know don't get me wrong xavier tillman was was solid in this series right i think he outperformed our expectations i still don't think xavier tillman is good enough to be a consistently like to to be a seventh man in a rotation to play 20 minutes in a playoff rotation i think he's undersized he's regular season depth that's what xavier tillman is Go out and get me a, a, I don't know, some guy that's going to be able to protect the paint outside of Steven Adams in this in this offseason. I can pull up the list of free agents. Um, but I think those are the main the main weaknesses. And I'm a little worried because a lot of our young guys, you know, Zaire, Jake LaRavia, uh, Aldama, Aldama maybe has some value. Um, but, like, those guys that people talk about, oh, the Grizzlies, man, they draft so well you know, they have so much young talent, they're eventually going to, you know, cash it all in. Like those guys don't have as much value as maybe people think. Uh, we do have all of our first round draft picks that we can move, but I, I really do think this might be the off season that the Grizzlies decide to to make a bit of a splash move. They've, they've really held quiet and, and relied on this youth movement over the past few seasons. And, and now that, you know, now this team's played four playoff series, um, jaw has, you know, I mean, the, the Grizzlies have been in the play-in or playoffs every single season that Jaws been in, in the league. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, at, at some point you have to make a move that says, okay, we're ready, we're going for it. And if they don't do it either this summer or at next year's trade deadline, it's like, I'm, 
I mean, how long are you just going to stick to your guns? Yeah, I think, first of all, I think we've also, because I've heard some people talk about how the Grizzlies not making a move at the trade deadline should have been, or that Luke Kennard being their biggest move should have been a red flag about how the franchise felt about their chances. I think we're forgetting that they they offered pretty much the farm for Ananobi. Yeah. And what we learned after the deadline was that the Raptors weren't all that interested in trading Ananobi. Yep. Everyone thought he was kind of on the trading block and he just wasn't. They didn't really trade anybody at the deadline. They were right. Robbed. Right. I mean, they went out and got Jakob Pertl. Yep. That's what happened with the Raptors at the trade deadline. So I think people have forgotten, like they, they tried to upgrade at the three spot and I'm sure they called about, I'm sure they called about Michael Bridges as well, but once I'm sure once the, the, the Suns got any, any whiff of him possibly being the thing that needed to go out to get Kevin Durant, that, 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 that kind of went out of the window as well. So yeah, I think you're right. I think, and I've said this before that people are too enamored with how the Warriors built their championship team. And the Warriors stumbled into the best shooter of all time, the like fourth best shooter of all time. Um, that first best shooter of all time doubles as one of the 15 best players of all time and the best defensive player ever. That's what they stumbled into in the draft. And you're just not going to stumble into that. You're just not. And at some point you're probably going to have to reinforce it elsewhere. And uh, hopefully they, hopefully they learn that at some point. Yeah. Um, I, and then there's also some dialogue surrounding John Moran and, you know, is he going to be able to hold up? Is he good enough to, to carry your team? I don't think Jaws good enough to single-handedly carry your team to, to a, to a title. I mean, you see basically it's Steph Curry uh, in terms of when you talk about point guards, that is good enough to do so. And even Steph's needs, you know, one of the best shooters of all time and one of the best defensive players of all time to do so. Um, and, and you look again, you look at what the Grizzlies have in, in jaw Bain, one of the best three point shooters, in the league, continuing to improve his off-the-dribble game. And, and Jaron, the defensive player of the year, who I will admit really, really struggled offensively this series. You know, AD was a different type of matchup for him. He's still a really solid piece moving forward. Um, that's a championship core. They just need to make get the pieces right around them. And I think really all you need to surround those guys is shooters. You, you think of how many times the Grizzlies had open shots in the corner, on the wing in this series that they just, just clanked. If and we have that, we have Kennard and we have Bain. But if if we had just more shooting, like a Malik Beasley, just first random shooter that comes to mind, he's been trash for the Lakers in the postseason. But yeah, uh, like a, a him or uh, like a Joe Ingles can shoot threes. He's a free agent. He's a UFA actually. And that's another thing, like salary wise. You know, we have now Jaw, who's on his his second deal, so he's making like thirty eight million next year. Jaron's on his second deal. We're gonna have to pay Bain. Now it's like. That takes up a huge chunk of our cap, so we're gonna have to be crafty. We're not gonna we're not gonna be able to you know go out and sign a guy and, and pay him twenty million dollars a year, unless we make a big splash trade, which I think is 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 in the cards this offseason for them. Um, so you know, it, a really frustrating series from a Grizzlies fan perspective. I really hope it it helps us long term to learn and grow. I, I think we've talked a lot about the Grizzlies. Cover most of it. We need to, to we need to we should address the Lakers side of this series. Um sure. uh, because you know they they ultimately did win. And uh if this were a any other podcast outside of whatever Chris Vernon does, uh the mismatch, um 
even then, like if this was any other podcast, they're probably spending the bulk of this talking about the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we talk about the Grizzlies here, obviously, because we're both from Memphis, but I mean, do you, do you feel like this Lakers team has a chance against, uh, against the Warriors? Would you consider them favorites? Uh, I actually think the Warriors are like minus 150 favorites on, on DraftKings to win the series. Uh, but how, how do you feel about, how do you feel about this Lakers team coming out of this series? I, I, apparently, I don't know what, my, what I'm watching. I, I just the thing that everyone has come has come right. You, you might get one deal, good deal, and that might be the thing about about the the Lakers is that they have enough guys that are going to do it once a series that when you combine it with LeBron and AD, that they can win most series. That's kind of what happened in this one. Right, you had in AD's best game, the the Grizzlies won that game. Yep. But you got you got D'Lo in Game Six, you got Reeves and Hachimura in Game One, so there's two. In Game Three, it was really more that about the Grizzlies not being able to hit the broadside of a barn for an entire quarter, because the Grizzlies won the 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 next three quarters of of Game Three they were just down by 26 at the end of the first quarter. So like everything there just isn't a ton inspiring about, and then, and then in the other game, it was right. It was LeBron in the last two minutes of the game in overtime at home. That was the most and ridiculous LeBron discourse heading out after that game. I mean, crazy. Did you watch you the first was three quarters? An, you would have I mean, thought it was an all time LeBron game, the way that they were talking about it. And 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 maybe that's the thing that's so frustrating about them is because it's going to be something different and something you're like really every game but maybe it's something that it, maybe it's just one of those things that they're able to piece together a series and and that's kind of what they did against the Grizzlies i i the longer they go the more i'm worried about lebron's foot i mean you're just like they are too good the Warriors are too good for you to cruise for 85% of the series and still win it. Yeah. And that's the thing that I'm most concerned about. Like it, 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 LeBron will need to be better for longer. LeBron was really good for stretches. And in game six, he, he was surgical and all of these things about LeBron are true that he reads the game better than anybody and is, and understands how to pace himself better than anybody. That's why he's 38 and still playing um, really meaningful basketball and you know was on pace to score 30 points a game in this in this year uh at one point and all of those things are true but the warriors are just too good when the warriors best player is going to play 40 minutes a game and be like actually play all 40 of those minutes instead of kind of trot up and down the sideline for big chunks of it he, lebron's going to have to be better um i'm never like if draymond Draymond can get into AD's head. AD is many things. Mentally, mentally tough is not one of them. And <laughs> um, and so I, I'm definitely leaning Warriors, but if you told me that the Lakers found a way to piece it together, I wouldn't be super stunned. I just think it'll it'll have to it'll have to include a more well-rounded series from LeBron and not just spurts of really high-level play for them for them to win it. LeBron's gonna have to bring it for 40, 45 minutes every single game in this series because the Warriors just posed so much more of a threat offensively than, than the Grizzlies did, especially in the half court. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, to be frank, I just was not that impressed with LeBron 
in this series. Yeah. Game four, closing it out. He was amazing. Right. You know, tip your cap. He made, made the shots down the stretch, but coasting for, for so much of those games and you were at game two in Memphis. I mean, you saw it firsthand, you know, you're able to see what the cameras weren't showing, uh, the guy's old and he's got an injured foot and he's not old. Okay. Sorry. He's old for basketball terms. Uh, and he's got an injured foot and you have Anthony Davis. Who's a bit of an, an enigma. You don't know what you're getting from him night tonight. It's, it's so strange. Um, but you know what, what he was able to do in game six defensively was if he can bring that, uh, and just completely shut out the warriors in the paint for that series, then, you know, then we're talking, but I really think AD is 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 the X factor this entire series. If you get all, you know, first team All NBA Anthony Davis, of course the Lakers are going to have a chance, but it really has more to do with the guys around LeBron because I don't think we're getting we're getting, you know, prime we're not getting prime LeBron obviously. We're not going to get we're not going to get 35 8 and 8 LeBron. You're probably going to get 22 6 and 5 LeBron, right? And you know, can he set up those guys uh on the perimeter and um, you know, play quality defense, then yeah, that's a good LeBron series. But you're really relying on guys like Austin Reeves, who I think is exorbitantly overrated. I feel atrocious and I feel bad for whatever team guys pays that so guy $25 mid, million dollars guys, this offseason. So mid. It, so mid. If, if Austin Reeves played for the Detroit Pistons, he'd be in the G League next season. Um, <laughs> yeah, And sure, he does great things from time to time, but he's just not he's not consistent enough to to be a guy that you're relying on for four rounds. I'm sorry. He's just not, but he's going to have to step up. D'Angelo Russell, who we both have our feelings about, um, is going to have to be good. And, you know, Jared Vanderbilt's going to have to play though, probably defense on Curry all series. Uh, Hachimura, can he do what he did in, in the first two games of the series where he was basically Michael Jordan reincarnated? Uh, I mean, dude's huge. Rui Hachimura is, is, a- is a thick body that, you know, I mean, you could throw they out do. there for 20 minutes a game, uh, but they're, they're really thin. I mean, Schroeder is just horrible Malik, in that series. Non-existent. Yeah. Malik Beasley is going to have to hit threes um, if, if they want to have a chance. Cause I think it's good. The Lakers three point shooting. They're not a good three point shooting team. So, you know, to be able to hang with what the Warriors bring out from a three point perspective is going to be tough. So mm-hmm. I, that's why I think the line is fair in favoring the Warriors. They also have home court advantage in the series. So, um, I mean, we'll see. Maybe LeBron was saving himself for the second round matchup. We know the NBA wanted this series. You know, we know Adam Silver was doing whatever. He was moving mountains to make this series happen. It's it, it's going to be great from a, a narrative perspective and, and all that stuff. And, you know, I can't wait for every game to start at 4 a.m. Eastern time. So, <laughs> Dude, that game didn't start until like 11 Eastern, right? It's crazy. It was, yeah, it was, it might've been 1130. It was late. It was too late. That Christmas game six. Yeah. It was very late. I mean, shouts to them for getting blown out so I could go to bed, (laughs) but (laughs) that's the only good thing to come from it. But yeah, we'll see. It'll be, uh, it'll be, I think it's, I think it's worth noting that it'll be fun to see Steph and LeBron go at it. I think I'll be, I'll be curious to see, kind of what it what the what the vibe is like watching both of them play next to each other because i think steph is right steph is in a different spot of his career like he's four you know four or five years younger and like i said like no one is arguing that we're seeing the best version of lebron right now there are very real conversations being had about if this is the best steph curry we've ever seen and 
I just think it'll be interesting what uh, what type of Le- LeBron we get relative to the type of stuff we're seeing nowadays. Yeah, I mean that series, you don't need to, you don't need to sell it. Um, there's a million reasons to to tune in and watch, and I'm excited to watch it unfold. Right now, if I had to make a pick, I'd probably say Warriors in in six. Um, I think they can they can take care of them, and you know I think it's funny that we spent damn near an hour talking about this side of the Western conference bracket when, I mean, you can make a really, really good argument that the team that's going to ultimately make it out of the West is on the other side of this bracket. And I think we need to spend some time talking about this Nuggets Sun series, giving the Nuggets some love, you know, blowing out the Suns in game one. And I think there's a lot of issues that keep coming up with the Suns team that we talked about in the preview podcast is, you know, Kevin Durant and, and Devin Booker, just have to play so many minutes for this team and they're relying heavily on those guys. And even if they combine for 50, 60 points, that's not enough to win you a game. And the, the, the nuggets have been together for so long and you know, they're just in sync with each other. Uh, it's almost like, you know, back of the hand type stuff. They know each other so well that the Suns just feel like they're really getting exposed for being not necessarily exposed, but they're just, it's so obvious that this team is is so brand new and they're still learning how to play with each other. And then you also have the 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 head scratcher that is DeAndre Ayton. Um, but you know, how how do you feel uh, heading into Game Two of this series, which is actually going to you know tip off tonight? Couple things. Um, I mean, if Jamal Murray is going to do that, they're not going to win the series. Like it's just it's just the way that it is. I mean, we can we can stop right there. If 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 Jokic is going to be 24, 19, and five, and Murray's going to average somewhere in the ballpark of thirty, you get twenty three from Aaron Gordon in this first game. You know, you swap that with it's twenty three from Michael Porter Jr. It's twenty from KCP. Somebody else is going to give you twenty three. It, it like they're just not going to win the series. Um, your point about how many, so, so book and, and KD combined for 56 in this game in a perfect world, you're asking for somewhere between 55 and 65 from them every game. And you hope that that puts you in a position to win from what you saw in game one, they're probably, we're probably pushing more like 60 to 70 a game between the two of them. Yeah. That's a lot to ask for. And here's, here's the thing that's the most concerning. So the Nuggets played eight guys in this series in game one more than more than three minutes. So they ended up playing 13 guys in the in the game, but five of them play. We're talking Zeke Naji, Peyton Watson, Ish Smith. We're talking Reggie Jackson. We're talking three minutes a game for all of those guys. Other than that, the rotation is pretty clear, right? It's the starting five, and then it's Jeff Green. Shout out to Jeff Green, still kicking it, still doing things. Former Grizzly um, on on important on important basketball teams. Um, then you have Bruce Brown, and then and then Christian Brown, the uh, the Ron. rookie from love that guy from the rookie from Kansas, who kind of like going toe to toe with KD a couple times. We like it. We like it. I respect it. Um, just don't call him old because apparently that's what we do. Um, <laughs> On the other side of things, <laughs> yeah. the Suns played four different guys. Tory Craig was the only guy who played more than 14 minutes off the bench. And none of, and, but there were like seven guys that played at least five. 
Like there's like two or three minutes is garbage time. Pushing beyond that, it just kind of feels like you're searching for for what you're what you can lean on off the bench, right? You, you don't feel great about a Kogi in the starting lineup, so that's why Tory Craig plays a lot of minutes because it's kind of like, well, which which one of these guys do we do we dislike least? Um, Landry Shamit is just kind of empty empty calories at this point it doesn't feel like he he makes an impact on on really anything and it just it's it's a, it's a team that is brand new together without some of those things that you wish teams could lean on things like depth things like you can kind of get a big game from three other guys other than your stars like like you need kd and book to have big games and then you hope that chris paul doesn't go five of eleven from the field that's kind of where it starts. And on the other side of the uh, of the ball, you have this team that's been together, basically this team since the bubble, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's a, that's a really tough thing to, and not just a team that's been together since the bubble, the team that cruised the last month of the season because they were so far ahead in the West that it just didn't matter. And uh, so they, they've got a lot of work to do. I'd be scared if I was a Phoenix fan. Yeah, the, the the Nuggets feel like a bit of a juggernaut right now. They feel like a, a really well-oiled machine, and they're really they're really really hard to stop uh, when they get rolling offensively. That Jokic uh, and Murray pick and roll combo is 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 really a really, dynamite. Those those guys know how to play with each other, and when you have the fact that Jokic can, you know, make passes that we've never seen before, and you know, hit Aaron Gordon or Michael Porter Jr. or your KCP like on the perimeter for threes. Those are guys you feel pretty solid about um, in, in, when you're talking role players. I feel better about Denver's role players than I do uh, like the the Lakers or definitely the Suns in this series. And you know, you're right about the Suns. Like I'm, I'm a little confused as to why TJ Warren isn't getting any run in, in the playoffs. He's played six total minutes this year. I mean, in, in the playoffs, why not at least give him a chance? I mean, I feel better about him than I do Landry Shamit. You know, this guy that, you know, for as long and as weird as the basketball was, he was one of the stars of, of the bubble in, in, in Orlando uh, campaign, only playing five minutes. He's still coming off injury, but I hinted at it. Like Deandre Ayton is the most important player on the Suns this series. And, and in this entire playoff run, if some of those clips that, and some of the, the plays from this, this game where he's just not trying uh, for offensive rebounds and that club is bad it's just so embarrassing bad. i don't understand how you can give that kind of effort and know you're going to get embarrassed nationally and dragged by everybody on the internet and just be okay with that have your you know have that lack of effort associated with your name i would just t- take mm-hmm. issue with that but i guess some guys just aren't wired that way um but I mean, if if DeAndre Ayton is what what he was when we saw what we saw from him in that 2021 run, this team has a, a much higher ceiling than we feel about them right now. Um, so I'm really really looking at him tonight to to see what he can do and just give some effort, man. Like, how do you only have seven rebounds in this game? It's not like Jokic is, you know, Akeem or or Kevon Looney down there. Like, you can grab some boards. It's, it's, it's just embarrassing. Um, yeah. And you know. Devin Booker was arguably the MVP of the first round, right? He was great in that Clipper series. So good. And I thought it was funny how how much, you know, uh, media attention the Clippers were getting for winning one game in that series. And sure, Russell Westbrook was great for a little bit there and had a bit of a renaissance, but still not a guy you're going to want to pay, you know, $20 million a year. He's, he's one of those guys that's good on a bad team uh, to put up numbers. I digress. 
Booker's got to be the MVP of the second round, and Kevin Durant has to be, you know, prime Kevin Durant. Second in voting. <laughs> second yeah. in voting. Second in voting. And and Aiden's got to step up. Otherwise, this team has no chance in this series against the Nuggets. The Nuggets could sweep. Um, and I think that's maybe a bit of a hot take. Um, I'm sure the Suns might win one game at home, but you just don't feel great after game one. The the, the Nuggets feel like a bit of a giant. And I know they shot 43% from three, and that's probably not going to happen again. But they still have who, you know, a guy. So they went by 10 instead of 18. Right. You, you look back and, like, they have what probably should have been a three-time in a row, a three-peat MVP. You know, he's the most important player to his team. So it's a bit of a head-scratcher. I, I I put some money on on Denver to win uh, heading into this series. They were plus money. Uh, I put a, yeah, I saw that. some money on them. And then I also put some more money on them. I have a few title futures on them. Uh, I got, like, at plus 1200 in, 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 in March. And then I put some more down at plus 800 heading into this series. I mean, you feel good about their chances heading out of the West, but, and then you factor in the fact that they play at such a high altitude and just, you know, the home court advantage that they have with that. It's tough. It's tough. So yeah. they, they look good right now. Again, it's only game one in the second round, but it's hard to bet against Denver. Agreed. Agreed. It would be super fun to see them, to see them make a push. Especially and, uh, with, with all this hype around the Warriors Lakers series, no one's talking about the Nuggets. If they just sweep in and and go to the finals, it's like yeah, good. They, I feel like they've been the best team all season in the West. Consistently. Exactly. Let's move to the East. We haven't we haven't talked about the East, and it's it's been a minute. Like the Heat Bucks, man. It's one of the biggest collapses in playoff history, and we're saving it for the about the hour mark on the podcast. <laughs> Heat win four. Not only did the Heat win, they the Bucks won one playoff game. The the Bucks the, the odds on favorite to win the NBA title heading into the playoffs won one singular playoff game. And I know Giannis was hurt, but he played what four? In the game they won, game? he didn't play in. Yeah. yeah. So, and then yeah, he had the interview that everyone's seen heading in uh, after Game Five in in Milwaukee. Not only did they get eliminated, they got eliminated on a home court too, which is just yeah. humiliating. In a game that they were up by 16 at the end of the third quarter. Just inexplicable, really. And I, I you have to, for as much as I like Giannis, you have to like dock them significantly for what happened in this in this series. Yeah, I think you're right. It's it, it has to matter at some I'm not entirely sure how much it's supposed to matter because this is still a basketball team that won a title and this is still Giannis who when the lights were the very brightest close out games in the NBA finals he put together one of the best one of the best clinching performances any of us have ever seen he did and he overcame the demons of of his free throw shooting and I know his free throw shooting was bad in this and he just wasn't great off as good offensively this year in general but like we can't forget that. And at the same time, we we certainly have to talk about what it means for this Bucks team, what it means for Budenholzer. But I I I don't want to go all the way to overreacting about what it says about Giannis. Like Giannis wasn't the best player in this series. Like that's what happened. And Giannis also dealt with the back thing that happened. And Jimmy Butler was unconscious in the playoffs 
yet again. So um, it's embarrassing. Like they still should have won the series. Like if Giannis didn't play a single second, they still should have won the series. Yeah. Um, but but that wasn't what happened. And when you're Giannis, that's the first place people are going to come kind of come ask you about. I mean, the the series ended with Grayson Allen's with the ball in Grayson Allen's hands. Grayson freaking Allen. And we hit on that in in the preview pod. Is I worry we worried about how much of a role he he's playing on this team. I mean, yeah. we saw it in Memphis. You you just you can't really rely on Grayson Allen for key playoff minutes. He's a good regular season guy, but when the game slows down and he has to play half court defense, like he's gonna get picked apart. Especially when you have a team like Miami who knows how to exploit weaknesses. Yeah, and like Middleton, not fantastic. Drew Holiday, we did that thing in the playoffs again where we remember why it's ludicrous to ever suggest that Drew Holiday is one of the best 10 players in the NBA. doesn't matter how good he is defensively. Like he has no he has no creativity offensively. And when you give a team like the Heat that's coached by someone like Spo, like they're going to recognize that and going to force him to be creative and – it's just not something he's very good at. And Jimmy Butler took that. Sorry. Jimmy Butler took that Drew Holiday matchup personally. He was, he was going out of him, going at him and talking his shit, even when they were losing. He took yep. that shit personally. Yes. 100%. So I think I, I, I'm more interested in the conversation about the Bucks as a whole. And, and I might be willing to kind of, to kind of talk about how impressive that like as we get further removed from that title, they won how much people frankly care about that title that they won because there were, and maybe the bucks are just one of those teams like most that they needed things to fall. Right. I mean, they got to play the Suns pre Durant in, in the finals that year. And that's just like that as, as, as finals matchups go, that was, a, that was one that I'd rather have, but it, it, and they got to play the Atlanta Hawks in the conference finals. Right. Cause they got to play yep. the Nets in the first round without James Harden, without Kyrie Irving, and they barely won that series. Yep. Um, yep. So, I mean, there's a lot of, and that's, but then again, I always make the argument that there's so much luck that goes into winning an NBA title that totally. there's no, there's no real NBA title you can look back on in NBA history and be like, yeah, they beat every team they played against at full strength. Like someone's always hurt. Something always, someone gets suspended. Something always happens. It's you, so much of it is just pure luck. 100%. And so I'm, I I don't want to dock the, but that isn't to say that I don't respect the title that the Bucks won. I think it's to your point. um, Everybody gets a little bit of luck. I mean, we're talking, you know, teams like, you know, we're talking 96, you were talking nine, mid 90s Bulls mid 2000, you know, late 2010s warriors. Like those are the type of teams that win titles without any luck. They're just that much better than everybody else. Lakers, you know, Lakers back in the day, Lakers, early two thousands Celtics in the mid eighties, whatever you want to, whatever you want to point to. There aren't that many teams that, you know, Spurs in, in the, the early to mid two thousands. Those are the type of teams that, that win titles without any favors from the rest of the teams. And maybe maybe the Bucks just were were a team that that were ready and got lucky and and that's okay, but it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do this off season because you know Giannis is a lot younger than than Holiday and Middleton and um, if you're not careful you can kind of waste some of those years away if you don't pull the pull the plug when you need to 
And, uh, and then there's of course the elephant in the room about, about coach bud, which of course you have to tread lightly a little bit because then we learned after the series that he was also going through some, some sort of a traumatic experience, losing, losing his brother during the series. And that's certainly not something that I'll just write off. So certainly someone you have to tread lightly with um, for good reason, but the question needs to be asked about his abilities, especially as a playoff uh, head coach, which is that's the only thing that matters when Giannis is your is on your team is is how good you are in the playoffs. I think that's one thing that us and everyone missed heading into the playoffs, and all the time kind of overlooks is the importance of coaching and the advantage you can have if you have an elite coach like Eric Spolstra or Greg Popovich. Sure. And, yeah. you know, you don't necessarily feel it in the regular season. It might not matter as much when you can just, you know, with all the load management and injuries day to day, um, it doesn't necessarily affect much uh, uh, throughout the course of a 82 game regular season. But when the game slows down, when, you know, you can adjust game to game when you're playing the same team seven, seven games in a row and you can, you know, you see what they're throwing at you and you can make adjustments, you can make adjustments in game. Uh, coaching makes a huge difference. And the, the Heat have the best coach remaining in the playoffs, and that's, I think, a huge reason why we see them succeed so much in the postseason year after year after year after year. It's because they have Eric Sprolstra, and um, I think that's, you know, the 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 Bucks were thoroughly outcoached in this series. Again, I know Bud was going through a lot, so I don't want to, you know, harp on him too much, and I, I think ultimately, like, I'd have a hard time getting rid of a guy who was going through that in, in the postseason, mm-hmm. so I, I'll be interested to see how the Bucks take care, uh, handle that this, this offseason. Um, but I, I really value what the what the Heat have from a coaching perspective, and I think it gives them a huge advantage really throughout the course of of the rest of the Eastern Conference playoffs because if you look at every matchup that they could have, they're going to have the better coach. The Celtics, for as great as they were, they have a first-year head coach, and we saw them really struggle in, in that first-round series against the Hawks. No one expected the Hawks to win a game in that series. They ended up winning two. A lot of it was because of Joe Coach Joe Maz and his inability to kind of make adjustments and, and play the guys. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of like a Malcolm Brogdon down the stretch who are clearly better than, you know, Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. When I look at the Bucks' perspective, their, their future is very interesting. You have Middleton. who has got a player option for $40 million next year. He'll, he'll certainly pick that up. But outside of that, you know, Drew has one more year under contract and then he has a player option. Giannis has two more years under contract and then he has a player option. There's a very good chance after next season, Middleton could be, could be gone. Drew, there was some, weird report that he might pick up that option and then retire after that um, at age like 35. So I really don't, I'm not necessarily sure Giannis is picking up that player option in 25, 26. And I, I don't necessarily think we're going to see Giannis play, you know, his entire career with the bucks. Um, I think there's a good chance that he can move on. And like, you know, Brooke Lopez, one of their key players this year, he's 35 years old, but he's an unrestricted free agent this year. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to bring him back. Jay Crowder, he was horrible, but he's a he's a UFA as well. Ingles is gone. Um, they have so much money tied up in between to those three guys. It's almost like 90, 85, 90% of their cap is tied up in those three guys that they just don't have a ton of room to move around and, you know, build around those three guys. And I just don't think those three guys, you know, for as great as they are, you don't feel great about them heading into next next postseason based on what we saw this year. I think you're right. I think you're right. It'll be interesting because I, at the same time, I wouldn't be stunned if the Bucks are a one seed again, one or two seed, have a really nice 
but we're to the point with that team where I don't, I don't, I don't give a damn what you do in the regular season. Uh, I'm, I'm just waiting for you to get to the playoffs and see what you got. Yep. I mean, and we got to give our love to, to the, to the heat, you know, Jimmy Butler turns into to Michael Jordan in the playoffs. He might be related to Michael Jordan. That might be his son. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I praise Bolstra and, and his ability to, you know, make adjustments and clearly have a huge coaching advantage there. Uh, how do you feel about the heat in, in this Knicks series? We know the heat won game one, um, but Jimmy might be hurt. Randall's out for the Knicks. Um, how you feeling? Game, game two is tomorrow night. Yeah, I just saw something that says Jalen Brunson is questionable as well, which Ooh. I didn't know until just now. So I will have to read up on that. But um, I I don't see a reason for Jimmy Butler to play in game two. Mm-hmm. You, you did what you, you got the job done getting one in New York. And especially, I mean, if Jalen Brunson isn't playing, if Julius Randle isn't playing, like you might stumble into a 2-0 lead. Um, I wouldn't bet on that because, but, but there are, you know, Gabe Vincent can go unconscious. Max Struess, hey, maybe he'll hit eight threes in a game. Bam, of course. Um, you've seen the, I mean, David, Duncan Robinson was, was straight, was just a wash in, you know, in, in game one, 0 of 5 from the field, zero points. <laughs> um, but there's been a little bit of re- reincarnation there. Kyle Lowry, I mean, if you told me he was going to have 29 in game two, I'd be like, okay, sure. Yeah. Um, Kevin so, Love. Kevin Love. Heck, sure. Sure. Absolutely. I'm in. But yeah, they just, they're just so hard to beat. I don't like, I don't know what, like, you look at this, they shot 42% from the field, 33% from the free, from the three point line. Only, you know, they were 23 to 29 from the free throw line and they won pretty comfortably in, in New York. I mean, they, they won the, f- the fourth quarter by one point and one by seven. And the game was kind of out of reach as we were entering, you know, the closing minute or so. And it's just, it's just, um, like not having Randall, like the Knicks probably aren't going to win this series if they don't have Randall, especially when you have guys like Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler to put on Jalen Brunson and kind of force other guys to uh, to beat you. And, and we know that J- Jalen Brunson loves getting to to the elbows and and kind of making his his money down there, either you know dishing it out or you know pivoting and making layups or or fadeaway jumpers in the mid range. And and the Heat did a great job of just not allowing that to happen, getting to the elbow and blocking him um, from getting there in the second half of that game. Um, I thought it was very head scratching that the Knicks didn't go at Jimmy Butler when he was clearly hobbled uh, with that ankle injury. That was that was a head scratcher. So I think they'll make some adjustments. Um, but I, I think you're right. If if I mean if they don't have Brunson and Randall, then they have no chance in this series. Um, but you still got to feel good, even if the even if the Knicks end up losing this series. I, I still feel solid about them moving forward. They have obviously the Mecca. They have, I think now they've kind of established themselves as, as a competent organization, a winning organization mm-hmm. at this point to where they can now lure in some guys, maybe make a big trade to get a, get um another star in the fold. Maybe, maybe a cat. I'm just saying maybe cat, you know, we know the Kentucky connection that the Knicks have, that could be a thing. Um, and you know, they, they, they exposed the shit out of the Cavs in that first round series. The Cavs were one of those young darling teams that everyone was loving on over the regular season. And they just, I mean, they, they have, they had everybody questioning what the Cavs are look like moving forward with those two bigs. 
and Evan Mobley ceiling. And is Donovan Mitchell right for, for that team? Does Donovan Mitchell like playing in Cleveland? Um, so, you know, we still have to give some Knicks, the Knicks some love for what they did in that first round series. And even if they don't win this series, you know, they're still pretty young team um, that's gaining their playoff scars as well. And the Heat, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're a veteran laden team um, that, you know, it kind of oozes playoff experience at this point. So, so do you have anything, anything else about that side of the bracket before we, we can pivot to Celtics Sixers? I don't think so. I don't, okay. I, I don't think so. I think, man, I, the heat all of a sudden, man, they, uh, not only do they get past the, the, the best thing about beating the one seed in the first round is that you get a team that you definitely think you can beat in the second round as a result. And, uh, I wouldn't be stunned if we're seeing them in the, uh, in the East finals. Yeah. The, the heat beat the team that many people were picking to, to win the title and, and they beat him convincingly. So, I mean, if you, assuming everyone stays healthy, you have to feel good about them for every series they play the rest of the way. Uh, in, in terms of Celtics Sixers, you know, we're, we're recording right now, uh, 715 central time on Monday. It's, it's 62 53 Celtics right now in the second uh, of game one, no Embiid for, for the Sixers. Uh, James Harden already has 21 points. Um, Tatum has 24. Tatum has 24, yeah. So I guess, are you giving the Sixers any chance with with the hobbled Embiid is my question. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, The, as long as, and it seems the way that, like the Celtics kind of seem to play to their, to their opponent. They kind of, soft against the hawks i thought that was pretty pretty on brand and but i think they come with a little bit more respect for the sixers Mm, and a little bit more respect for the series in general and i think i i think they're gonna i think they're gonna cruise um i mean harden is off to an incredible start d'anthony melton has 14 off the bench and they're still down by nine yeah Right, like, like those things probably aren't going to happen again. At least the Melton thing. Maybe James Harden is nine of thirteen from the field to start a game again, but like also probably not. And and you know, Jalen Brown is also six of seven, but like Derek White, one of four. You haven't gotten a ton from the rest of your bench yet. Brogdon's playing well, but um, yeah, I just like the Celtics are just better, and the Sixers' best player in the MVP of the league this year is is got a bum got a bum wheel and uh and uh i just we'll see they also just don't have the mental fortitude the sixers to 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 combat that right i don't have anything else to point to them like okay they're not completely healthy but they're going to be tougher than you they're not completely healthy but james harden is that guy in the playoffs you know what i mean like yeah. they just and and Embiid isn't that guy in the playoffs either so no, that's that's a conversation too that his numbers get way worse in the playoffs they just right. do so it, so it just is what it is i think the celtics they've been better all year and you know if i thought i was getting mvp Embiid in the playoffs then maybe it would be a little bit different if he could come back but like even but we're going to get an MB that is already not as good as he is in the regular season. And he's a little bit hurt. I'm, uh, 
I'll go with the Celtics and, and feel pretty damn good about it. There's a, I think there's a larger conversation to be had about Philly and Joel Embiid in, in the sense that, first of all, I think he expended too much energy this regular season trying to win the MVP that he seems to care so much about. He's finally going to get one, but you know, at what cost, you know, clearly he, he, he might've, and I know it was a bit of a fluke injury in the first round, but this is a guy that we haven't seen make it out of the second round. This is a guy that, you know, time and time again, comes up short in the playoffs. Can you win a championship with Joel Embiid as your best player? I mean, he hasn't even come remotely close, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it feels like he's getting a bit of a pass. Whereas he was, if he was any other player in the league, he would like if this was Giannis, this guy would be absolutely destroyed in the media. But he seems to get a pass. And you look at the contract that he's going to be on. You know, in 26, 27, guy has a, a player option for fifty eight million dollars. When you know, Harden's an unrestricted free agent. He's gone this year. Tobias is a free agent. He's probably, well, Harden has a player option for next season. It seems like he's probably not going to pick that up. Um, Tobias has one year left. PJ Tucker's there, but you're paying him $11 million a year. and He's 38 years old. Like it just doesn't, Tyrese Maxey is going to get paid. He's probably going to get, you know, a pretty big deal. You know, so I just like, if they don't make it this year, it's like, at what point did you just kind of give up on the Joel Embiid experience when time and time again, he's proven that he just isn't that guy that shows up in, in the postseason. I, I think that's, there's a very good, like not a very good chance, but there's a chance that we could see if shit hits the fan, the Sixers move on from him being this offseason. I really do because yeah, he's, he's an, uh, you know, a Titan in that city, right? Jo- Jalen Hurts, Joel Embiid, Bryce Harper, whatever, like those are the guys in in Philly. But I mean, at what point as a Philly fan do you get sick of coming losing in the freaking second round? Like if I was a Grizzlies fan and every single season this guy gets hurt in the playoffs or wears down in the playoffs, doesn't show up, and we lose in the second round again, like and you can get a damn good return for Joel Embiid. It's not like you're gonna have to tank. You know, this is the MVP of the league, so I, I don't know. There, I have some serious questions around this Sixers team and their ceiling with Joel Embiid as their best player. Yep, I agree. So, um, it, it, I I would probably pick the Celtics in. Oh, Sixers went on a bit of a run. They're down two right now. Melton now has seventeen. <laughs> D melt. Guess what? I'm, I'm still picking the Celtics in in, in five or six in that series. Um, and I think we're on a bit of a crash course for, for Celtics heat and nuggets and the winner of that Lakers, Lakers warrior series. So if you had to make a pick right now, um, for your NBA finals, uh, what, 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 what you got? I'll go, I'll go nuggets Celtics. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's where, where we're headed. I think that I think Boston is the team in the East that has too much for Miami, even with all that Miami will bring and kind of whatever this magic juju they have in the playoffs. I think the the Celtics just have a little too much for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Nuggets are the team. And, and, and part of me is like, dude, stop picking against picking against the Warriors. Um, but <laughs> yeah. the 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 Nuggets are the combination of of continuity and and talent that I think gets them out of the West. I think that's a fair pick. Uh, in our NBA pick them bracket challenge, I had Nuggets, Celtics. Uh, so I'm going to stick to that. I had the Celtics winning that series in six. 
Um, Solid Nuggets Celtics. Good yeah, call. That, Good that, call. That was my pick. Um, so I'm going to stick to my guns, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if if the Heat just outcoach everybody in the Eastern Conference, and we're seeing like holy shit, the eight seeded Heat are in the in the finals. Um, and I could also see the Warriors making that out of the West too, because again, we haven't seen them lose that full strength. And um, but then there's also the question of well, they they the, the they let the super young, inexperienced Kings take them to a seventh game. So right. I'm I'm excited to watch it all unfold. Um, I really am. You know, it's NBA playoffs are amazing. They destroy my sleep schedule. At least I'm on Central Time, not Eastern Time anymore, like you. Um, <laughs> but um yeah last question before we get out just real quick out of all the teams that got eliminated in the first round and we did horse mortems on uh, on most of them mm-hmm. uh which do you feel most confident about heading into next season we got milwaukee memphis the clippers the kings the Cavs, the hawks the nets and the timberwolves if we're most confident meaning what most confident in they're going to put together a good season and be a top three seed most confident in they win a playoff series next year. Um, yeah. Cause I think, I, I think those could be two different, two different answers. If we're talking, if we're talking playoffs and if you know, which team do I feel most confident about still playing basketball at this time next year? I think it probably has to be Milwaukee, but I also, I think we would agree that Milwaukee is in a different class than most of these, most of these teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milwaukee is kind of a team that we didn't expect to be here and all of the other ones you'd think, okay, yeah, I, I, I could probably see that. Um, I think I, like, man, I don't know. I think a lot of these, a lot of these teams are in, are in so much spots. I still think that I still think Memphis has the best team of any of these teams here, save Milwaukee. Um, and I know, I know that's a dangerous thing to say here as we are self-proclaimed Grizzlies fans from (laughs) Memphis, Tennessee, but the Grizzlies uh, apart from Milwaukee, I'm kind of pushing Milwaukee off to the side there. Um, but you just kind of need somebody else to slide into like, if they can just fill that three spot, it's still a team that has three all-star level players, a defensive player of the year, a guy in Steven Adams that is just going to help you win a lot of games in a regular season, if nothing else. And that sets you up to go deeper in the playoffs just because you have home court advantage. And I just, I I think that Memphis team is still the team I have the most faith in. Um, Maybe you get a little bit of a culture shock, this off season and things change a little bit in that building and, and some guys do some growing up, but I, um, I still think they're in a really good position. And if they're, I, I still think it's a team that if they were healthy, they would have won their first round series. Yes. So um, I think, I, I think I'm going to go with Memphis um, Sacramento, I think is interesting. I think Keegan Murray has a chance to be like one of those year one to year two guys next year. I thought he was about it in the playoffs yeah, he was um, after after he 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 kind of looked like Bambi learning to walk early in the series, and by the end, he 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 had some chops. I think um, Cleveland Cleveland is the new Portland. That's my Ooh. that's my thing. Ooh. Is is that Cleveland is is a team that's going to be really fun in the regular season, but you keep hitting this wall in the playoffs that that just comes with your most important players being two six foot guards. And um, they're just really limited on what they can do. 
Right. And until Evan Mobley learns how to play offensively, like like Evan Mobley's offensive game got exposed in the first round. Yes. So that needs to change. Atlanta's a train wreck. The Clippers, I don't have faith in Kawhi, you know, Kawhi or PG's ability to be healthy. I've totally Brooklyn, given up on that. Yeah, totally. Brooklyn, like, like, I don't know. Like if you give like Michael Bridges might actually like average 30 next year, <laughs> <laughs> that, that might happen. And then Minnesota, I also think is, they they spent a lot of they spent a ton of money on a guy and, and 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 assets on a guy that doesn't make any sense on your team. So um I'm I'm out on them. I'd love I, for them to uh to trade Mike Conley at some point next season so we can have a chance at a at a chip. I'd but, feel a lot better about Minnesota if they didn't make that go bear trade. Like they'd be in this yes. conversation if that trade was a better happened. basketball team pre yeah. pre go bear trade. I was more scared of the Timberwolves last year than this year. Yep. And they spent and they spent what they spent on. They completely altered the value of players in the NBA with that with that trade. Yeah. Completely so, altered it. And for for a guy that was actually going to make their team make less sense, whatever, do what you want. But uh, but I'll go with Memphis. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I I think I would pick Milwaukee like just out of the fact that they have Giannis and Middleton and Drew for another season. But I think right, that, definitely there's a huge long term larger question with Milwaukee. I don't necessarily think they have many years left at the peak. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, Memphis I feel good about as crazy as like, as bad as it was this postseason, I think it was needed. I feel good about where we're, where we're headed, to, heading into next season. I, I still trust the front offense front office to make the right moves and push the right buttons this off season. If they don't, I, I think we can revisit this conversation in October. Clippers, I'm out. On Sacramento, I agree. Cleveland, yeah, same thing. They're just limited. They gave up all their assets for Donovan Mitchell, and you know all their money's tied up in 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 him and you know Garland and you know going to be Mobley as well. So they're they're kind of stuck. Uh, uh, Jared Allen's owed a lot of money as well, like twenty million. So I think twenty, right? Atlanta has a lot of good players, and they have, but they have that Trey Young question where you know you're not you're not going to win a title with Trey Young as your best player. Um, I thought it was funny how, you know, in that series, everyone after two games was, you know, trading Trey Young to whatever team. And then after the fact that they won two games, like they came back around on the guy. But um, I yeah, just... then Trey Young reminded us why, like why the Hawks pay Trey Young that much money. Yeah, he's he's not a, he, you know, he's not a, he's not a scrub. Like he's, he's a great super offensive player. Super talented, super talented guy. But it's with obvious limitations. Yeah, it, it's obvious. You need to they haven't surrounded Trey Young with with the right pieces yet. And I just don't mm-hmm. think the Murray trade was was the right move. And I think that bore out over the course of the season. Brooklyn, I think they're still they're uh gonna build around bridges. I think it's comical how Grizzlies fans are still trying to get them to trade for bridges, but I mean the Brooklyn has to think that Bridges has all NBA upside at this point. So I mean, there's nothing the Grizzlies can offer them to get him in return. Mm-hmm. I just don't think there's any chance at this point. And then Minnesota, we already spoke on that. So yeah, I would rank Milwaukee 1A, Grizzlies 1B heading into next season out of the teams that got eliminated. Um, but we'll, we'll see. That remains to be seen. We still got a lot of basketball left to be played. Every night they're coming. So it's a great time of year to be a sports fan for sure. Um, but uh, you got anything else before we get out? I don't think so, man. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to these series getting underway um i hope that sun's nugget series is closer than it feels like it's going to be but lakers warriors should be a blast to be a 
to be a, a, a bystander and watch and, um, and hopefully we have a couple of these series get a little closer than it feels like they're going to be, but either way, the, the conference finals are going to be awesome. And, uh, it's a, it's a great time of year for sure. Yeah. Um, shouts to the Florida Panthers too. That's the other thing I have to say. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously not a hockey pod, but that's, uh, that's pretty indefensible. I know hockey's uh very, you know, uh, I guess like, just like kind of, Luke luck that can happen in the playoffs and you know, anything can happen with the bounces of the puck, but that's a, that's a crazy choke for the Bruins. Uh, yeah. Uh, Warriors Lakers, like we said, it's going to be a great series, not a great series for anyone that lives anywhere, but the West coast time zone. Um, but I'm looking forward to it nonetheless. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on again. We'll, we'll definitely get, get another one going here soon uh, as we progress through the playoffs uh, make sure everyone to subscribe to the pod also subscribe to jace for days if you like college basketball josh and josh still cranking those out um, and also listen to the first cut on cbs sports uh, if you're into golf josh is the producer for that so um, got to give that some credit good 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 show i watched it uh, when you were um when i was in Indy and you were producing so appreciate you coming on josh we'll have to get get it going again here soon and uh catch you guys on the next one peace out